Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Ashtonites Internet Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Master Thompson from Ashtonites. Thank you very much for joining us. <clears throat> Today we're talking about the epidemic that is drug addiction and overdose. And, um, I mean, I can't speak about other, other states. I know other states are struggling, have been struggling for decades with drugs and, uh, and alcohol abuse, but Massachusetts is especially special because, um, Practically everybody in the goddamn state is addicted to something. I mean, there's more pills being swallowed, more bills being, more booze being. It's just to find somebody who's not abusing. And 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 when we say abuse, don't think abuse is like somebody sitting in a room just popping pills and just you know zoning out and you know uh, that you know typical sort of cliche that everybody envisions, you know, drug abuse to be. Abuse of drugs is you don't have a prescription for a Valium and a buddy gives you a Valium. That's abuse. That's abusing drugs. Um, you know, when pharmacists, not pharmacists, when doctors prescribe this stuff, it's based on a whole host of, of, of um, physiological and chemical um, uh, requ- uh, uh, stipulations, you know. So, uh Somebody who's got a prescription for Percocets who might be obese and you are, you know, three times less the size of that person, you're taking their prescription, that's a powerful dosage. Um, so it's, it's, you know, abuse, it's everywhere. It's, it's, to even talk about it is, is almost sort of like, how, where do you even begin? Where do you even start? The reason why I selected this is because I just can't believe that the you know in this day and age there's no legislation out there there's no movement there's no grassroots caucusing about making addiction and abuse of 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 prescription drugs malpractice and i you know if this was again this was decades ago i'd probably like raise an eyebrow too going eh, i don't know you know but now people these 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 doctors and these these clinicians are just doling this shit out and getting paid for the the therapy that they're supposed to be giving you, and they're just giving you pills and sending you on your way. Um, there are instances I shouldn't I can't even say instance. The, the fact of the matter is people are faking all types of of, of symptoms and psychoses, going to uh, physicians and and psychologists. And you can't, I mean, they're faking, they're faking this stuff. They're getting their prescriptions. They're going out on the street and they're selling it. They're going to other countries and they're bringing stuff directly from factories back into the country. And they don't even know half of this stuff is, um, you know, when we talk about, uh, there's a difference between prescriptions and the generic stuff. I mean, it's the same for, in a lot of cases, there's similar formulas uh, with, with some, you know, lesser, perhaps some lesser uh, uh, ingredient that, that uh, mimics a, a specific ingredient in, 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 the, in, the, in the name brand stuff. But any kind of change is going to have an effect. These medications have an effect, period. And then changing the medications can have an adverse effect on the effect that it's... And people are bringing this shit into the country and they're, and they're putting it on the streets. And kids are getting it. I mean, it, it's just so, it's, it's an epidemic. It is an epidemic out there. And I don't think people, I know a lot of people do give a shit, but the, it seems the majority at large, like I said, in, in virtually every show that we sort of kind of talk about the, um, the adversity of human nature, people today are struggling just to keep their head above the water. People are struggling to try to, keep their distraction, to maintain their distraction on real life. That's how bad it is out there. You know, it's, it's, it's not enough that we understand, that we know that, uh, that, that our lives are, 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 they are what they are. Life in general is what it is. The, the state of affairs in all aspects of our, our civilization, our culture is what it is. It's not, it's not changing. It's not going to change. The populace is not going to change anything, all right, because we're all too busy being distracted by a bunch of shit 
like uh, like I and I've said it a million times: video games, movies, music, sexuality, technology, uh, uh, you know, religion, uh, spirituality. I mean, all these things. You know, people get into all these things as coping mechanisms, and they have no foundation. They have no 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 set disposition of character and understanding. So when they pull away from the, the table of distraction, they say, okay, I'm, I'm done with it, which is admirable. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to cope with the withdrawals of being you know, part of the system with this. You can't just jump into religion. You just can't. It just doesn't work. I don't care what they say to you. It does not work. It won't take. It won't catch. There has to be some fundamentals there that anchor you to, to, to these so the tenets resonate within you and keep you captivated, keep you enthralled, and therefore you build off of this and you develop and you flourish. You can't just jump into something and say, I'm doing this. It's not going to work. People say, I'm, I'm going to get into, I'm going to be a, a better this and a better that. Dieting, it's the best, and Charles, you know better than anybody else. You know, you're, you're an avid, uh, 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 you work out, you diet, you do, I mean, you've tried many things. It's the same thing. You know, you get sick of being fat and you get sick of, you know, being unhealthy and you say, that's it, I'm losing weight. I'm going to stop doing this. It, it's very difficult. People can do it, don't get me wrong. People have done it, but in large, it is extremely difficult to stop cold turkey what you're doing and jump into something and cope. And this is well, what, this is the problem. This is the problem. Instead the of part. walking people through this, like the psychologist's job, the doctor's job, walking people through this process, they're giving them pills to level out their chemistry to make it easier. And that's a big friggin' problem. What were you going to say, Charles? Well, the stopping part is the easy part when it comes to something like this. The getting, getting the person to stop a bad habit or start a good habit is the easy part. Everyone can do it for three days. You know, you use dieting as an example, and that makes me refer people to what I call the three-day crash course diet, where they say, well, I'm going to eat, you know, 600 calories, and they manage this for three days until they go to a catabolic crisis and they start feeling dizzy. Then they go to the buffet and clean it out. You know, KFC's there going, oh my God, no, you've got to leave. You're done. You know, you've, you've, you've had too much. Go home. Um, let's face it. Starting it is easy. The thing I've always heard and that I've found to be true is that any habit takes about a month to become truly, you know, habitual, to become truly something that is part of your day-to-day -day life. And... You know, the problem that we're running into with the prescription methods is that they do work over the course of a month, that it does become a habit by basis of, of habit forming. But moreover, I think to hit on the, the topic mainly, one of the problems we've run into in society is that the doctor's job is no longer to make you healthy, but to make you feel better. And uh, there's an episode of Star Trek Enterprise where one of the main characters, uh, I think it was Lieutenant Reed, was injured. He had, he had had some injury done to his leg, and the muscles were healing, and they were putting him through rehab, and the doctor had him pushing against a resistance weight. Now, this, this is actual normal rehab, you know, medicine. This is what you would do if you had the type of injury that he went through. And he's there, and he's like, oh, my God, this hurts so bad. He says, isn't it un unethical for you to do harm? And he says, it's unethical for me to cause you harm. I can inflict as much pain as I like. <laughs> That was the mentality of the doctors of old. Their job was to get you healthy, and if it hurt, deal with it. I'll give you an example. I've got a head cold right now. If I went to the doctor just with, you know, being an asthmatic with a head cold and gave them my list of symptoms, they'd probably put me on something so strong that it would knock out an elephant. I don't want to be knocked out. I don't want to be a zombie walking around, you know, like one of the living dead. So therefore, I don't go to the doctor, not until it's something bad enough that I'm there for antibiotics. And if they're like, well, if you're coughing so hard that you're in pain, you should be taking, you know, this, you know, amazingly long thing that, uh, that ends with the word set on there somewhere. And anyone who's ever taken a pain medication knows if it ends in the word set, it's going to knock your ass out. And I'd look at them and say, well, I always do, but now I'm, I'm pretty good. 
I've, I've not taken pain medication outside of situations of severe injury and only in situations where I had to be able to walk within the next day or so. The thing that gets me is that I've been offered pain medication hundreds of times by my doctor and I know that I don't show pain very plainly. I'm not one to let you know if I'm hurt. So I can only imagine, you know, what do they put people on who are whiners and bickers and complainers? And don't we have a society full of those? I mean, you know, we, we get all, I'm not even going to do the coughing joke. I'm just going to say I work at a store and I'm not going to say the name because if I cough right now, I'm going to cough for real. But, you know, I work at a place where people call off for headaches and they call off because their eyes hurt or their nose hurts or something. Okay, something hurts and they're not coming in. And it amazes me, you know, these people go to the doctor and they put them on stuff that 20 years ago, they put you on if you had ripped muscles. If you had taken a knife wound, they might put you on this, but they would be very hesitant to keep you on it for more than three or four days. Okay, there was a time when Percocets and Darvocets had a one-week prescription on them, if you recall, cool. years and years ago. Now, if you've got a head cold, they give you a 30-day script on this shit. The hell? So, you know, I think one of the problems we're looking at is that our medical professionals have been given the task of making people feel better instead of making them healthier, okay? Because I don't care what you say. There is nothing about taking something that's going to knock you flat on your ass. It's going to make you healthier. It, it may make you feel great, okay? But at that point, there are a lot of narcotics that are not legal that would make you feel great, too. It doesn't mean we should suddenly prescribe those, either. Yeah, I um, I agree, and I, I I further you know I think this is the malpractice aspect. Given what we know about neuroscience, and you hit on this about um, hab when you talked about habit forming habits in, in, in periods of time, neuroscience teaches us that the that it is possible, and we talk about this in our academy on Ashla nights, okay? Because part of um, understanding the light is you know, it's it's not enough to 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 uh, it's not enough to act out the 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 tenets of, of of the light side. You must you must believe it. You must it must be inherent within you. There must be some aspect of light inherently you know manifested within you. And you and you find this out by by. Uh, uh, Cultivating a light side perspective as you as you walk through your path of, uh, in life, and, and 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 listen. Every every academy, every website has different uh, you know tenets for this. You know, with us, you know, volunteering some time and 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 being a little bit more. You know, we have we have a whole list of these things, and you're going to do these things, and you're either going to say this sucks, this isn't for me, this is, and you've just determined that maybe this isn't the path for you, or this feels right. I, I'm, I, you know, I. This feels good. This feels right. And you continue to do this, okay? And you do it, and you do it, and after a while, it becomes a habit. It becomes practice. Now, specifically, neuroscience tells us that um, this is done through neuroplasticity. I think it's called, okay? And neuroplasticity is how habits are they form. Okay, and the time frame is exactly 21 days. That's three weeks. So that's rough. That's basically what Charles was saying about a month. So three weeks and in a week, you you will have a new habit, or you have you will have broken a habit. All right, and this is science. This is they've proven this. Okay, so 21 days, you're you're boozing, you're drugging, and you're feeling good. How fast do you think? Three months will go by pretty quick. Six months, a year. The habit's there. The habit's there. Now, the reason why it's very difficult for drug abusers to not break a habit after 21 days is because of the chemical reaction that opiates have with the body. All right? It's not just, and I shouldn't say it's not just a chemical thing, it's an emotional and mental thing. So it's, a, and physiological. So, it's a it's 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 corrupting your state of being on four very critical 
aspects of your of your per, of, of 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 who you are. Okay. Now with overeating, it's typically emotional and physiological. Okay. Um, with with other like with sex, it's physiological, it's emotional, it's mental. Okay. Um, you know, so there's different there's different compulsions have different effects on on different aspects of a person's being, which make it harder or easier to break those habits. So the standard model is 21 days. After 21 days, depending on what the addiction or the compulsion is and how it affects the being, it could take longer. All right. So, for example, like with um, hold on one second. With um, with opiates, a person gets addicted to, uh, let's say, I don't know, let's say uh, perks, okay? Well, there's the mental thing. I need this for, for pain. Like, like Charles said, this is pain management. I need this. I need to feel better, okay? So I need to mask this pain, all right? So then the chemical reaction kicks in and the physiological reaction follows, and now you have this mental state of euphoria, and it's very hard now when and, and this continues for three weeks, it makes it very difficult now in your mind, you may say, "This is wrong, I need to stop this, but already you have you have three to four critical aspects of your being addicted to this behavior. You have to break the the, the behavior it's 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 not enough to say, okay, I'm going to stop doing this physiologically. I'm not going to do it because chemically." Your mind is already is uh, the mind. Its chemistry is already uh, 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 how do I want to say? It's already uh, it needs it. It needs something. It needs the drug, or it needs something to replace it. Emotionally, you respond to this, and then soon, mentally, you 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 believe it. So it's very difficult to break this, and these doctors understand this, and they, they, they put people on these drugs, and they understand very well how, this, 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 how problematic this can be for people, not just, just people, just for the, for, the, for the fucking, for the person's dis, physical disposition, and they still do this shit, and I think that's malpractice. You know, they don't care. They just don't care. A lot of these doctors, I shouldn't say all of them, but a lot of these doctors today, they they get grants and they get uh they get free, they you know, they 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 get uh what what the equivalent of a payoff or or payola would be from these pharmaceutical companies to try this stuff out, to experiment with this stuff, to see how, what effects it has on people. Their clinical phase 3 trials weren't enough, so they say, "Okay, well, we want to be sure, so here's some free blue pills. Why don't you give these out? They're supposed to do this, they're supposed to do that. And nobody really knows what these things do. These pe people become junk boxes. They become booze bags. They become living Petri dishes, okay? And they're out there reproducing, all right? When, what do you think that does to a fetus when you start to alter your chemistry and your physio physio physiology? You pass that shit along. It just doesn't end with you. So I think there's some definite malpractice issues that need to be considered. I, I really do. Now, that's my assault on, on, on the system, on, on the pharmacology. What's the word? Pharma Pharmaceuticologists. Thank you very much. And... The the business of addiction now it's it's a business is huge. It's not enough that these 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 farm these these um these doctors and these psychologists they they inadvertently I guess we can say get people addicted to this stuff. I don't think it's inadvertent. I think it's purpose. I think in a lot of cases it, it's done purposefully. But let's just say for the sake of conversation, they inadvertently whoops. I gave this person a prescription. They seem to like it. Now they want more. Now they're faking symptoms. Now they're... This has become 
a huge business, the business of fixing people. And the business of fixing people is multifaceted because there's your religious and spirituality sect of fixing people, which is, it, it, it's massive, all right? Then there's your pain management, your chemical, your, 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 your chemical management, your pain management, and, and that's where this stuff falls into. Then there's your political and your ideological and your philosophical management of people. It, there's so many different facets. So many, there's your academic, educational, which is huge right now. That's everywhere. You'll see that on your TV and, 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 and the asshole next to you on the train who's looking at you weird because you're uh, being a parent to your kid. Um, so you, this just the, the, the management of people right now is a huge business. It's huge. Just like in the 90s, sales. You know, 80s and the 90s was all about selling stuff. We stopped producing shit. The economy went to hell because of because of. Now today, the new business is management, management of others, and it's a big business addiction, huge. Law enforcement. It's a pretty funny story. Um, I wish I could. I wish I had time to dig, to dig this up. I should have thought of it, but it. it you know, I, a lot of times I'm kind of just going with the flow here. FDA had a list. All right, the FDA. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The, is it the FDA? Yeah, the FDA had this list of the most dangerous, addictive drugs that uh, you know threats to to society. All right, marijuana was like 23. All right, <laughs> marijuana was 23, and the F and, and and the DEA went nuts. They lost their shit. They're like, you know, this is what this is our bread and butter. Like everybody knows the DEA. All right. When you when you look at the TV and you have this big drug bust, yeah, they've got coke, they got heroin, they got you know they got uh, ecstasy, they got all these pills, they got but it's all it's usually a lot of it is marijuana, big bricks, big bundles of marijuana, 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 marijuana. So the FDA is coming out saying it's not a big deal, marijuana, it's not a big deal, it's not, it's no one ever died from an, a marijuana overdose to their to their knowledge, and and people don't typically get into car accidents um, when they're high, you know. I mean, I wouldn't ride a motorcycle if I were high, but, you know, people are high. They drive every day. People are smoking weed in their car, and they drive every day. So the FDA, the DEA lost their, they just were pissed. They were just absolutely, because it's a business, because money, federal funds come Go to the DEA and other law enforcement agency based on urgency and need and urgency. All right, when we're in other countries and we're you know we've got we've got agents you know knee deep in patties, uh, you know, getting shot at. Um, families are in jeopardy. You know, when we have like countries like Mexico, which is basically on the war of on the verge of collapsing on itself because of the drug trade. And you've got Afghanistan and their opiate farmers, and you've got all these, you know, you have to justify these actions. You have to justify these incursions and these occupations. And you have to, it's sort of like the Vietnam syndrome, you know what I mean? You, you, you might have a platoon, and, you know, I don't want to take any, anything away from Vietnam, but we all know, look back, look at history, you know, you might have engaged, a fire team might have engaged, uh, you know, half a squad of Vietnamese, and all of a sudden, you know, there are about 600 dead Vietnamese that, quote-unquote, were Viet Cong. You know, they get those body counts up there so they can justify continuing the war. Well, this is the same thing. You get the, you get the, you get the, the urgency up enough, you'll get your funding. And, look, I understand drugs need to be fought. I, I totally do. I really do. I think, I think that that is in this, that, that, that's a, that's a, but, we're fighting the wrong drugs. You know, we really are. Billions are spent every day going after marijuana, cocaine, heroin, and all these other things, and that's fine. But what about the other side? When you can just take your your health card, walk into a hospital, feign some shit, and then get a prescription for some, some really bad stuff, and there you go. And there you go. You're, it, it, it's... It's it's not right. It's not right. Management of people today is a big business, and people want to be managed. That is the sad thing. 
the majority of people out there don't want to think. They don't want to feel pain. They want to be happy. They want a static state of happiness and tranquility and ease. And that is not how things are supposed to be. Nowhere in existence will you find a static state of happiness anywhere. Even in death, there is no happiness. There is nothing that is that, there is nothing, nothing. Everything that is in, in, in existence that can be felt, seen, shaped, or molded has to go through pain and suffering to become the reality that it is. Now, isn't That's that the way life the, is. Isn't that part of the escalation of the drug use, though? It is. You know, you've just, you've just hit on a universal truth, and this is something that the people don't realize once they get addicted to pill number one is eventually pill number one is not going to be strong enough. The human body is an adaptive mechanism. Pain is a sensory perception uh, on a both, uh, I would say on a physical one, I'll even say, I'll even be so bold to say it's on a spiritual level to show us that something is in the incorrect place or that something is not functioning as intended right. or that some level of injury has been taken. Well, the thing is, people get on a pain medicine, they get on a narcotic of some form, and it takes away the pain for a year. Problem is the body adapts and now it's going to create new warning signs. And if the old warning signs weren't being paid attention to, and I'll give you an example, emotional warning signs, because people start out with this stuff for physical injury and they move on to the harder stuff. Many times it's said because of psychological injury that then causes a physical ailment. You know, things aren't going well in their life, and then all of a sudden, the old injuries flare up even worse. And then they have to be put on something stronger. What's really going on is that the body's adapting. It's saying, hey, you haven't been taking care of your emotional life. You haven't been taking care of your physical life. You haven't been taking care of your life in general. And you didn't get the last signal. We checked. We sent the mail, but you didn't pick it up at the post office. So what we're doing now is we're just going to bulldoze your front door in and make sure you get the damn letter. Yeah. That's what your body does. Your body says, look, hey, consciousness, hey, self, you are going to become fully aware that something is wrong, and you can try and shut me up tomorrow, but I will only find a way to overcome the next signal blocker. That's the nature of the escalation of these addictions, because if people were getting on, oh God, I don't remember which of the which of the sets, if it's Darvaset or Percocet, the weaker one, because I haven't been on one of those since I had my first foot injury, and even then I only stayed on it until I was able to walk again. But I remember I was on the lightest one, whichever it was, and I was knocked out pretty good for about a week, and when I got to where I could walk again, I stopped cold turkey. And a friend of mine said to me, well, if that knocked you out, if you had to take what I'm on for my back, you'd probably be dead. And I said, well, I probably would. I said, well, what did you start on? And they said, well, I started out on what you were on. But, you know, after a while, it stopped working. I was like, well, maybe that's your body's way of trying to tell you that it never worked. It never did what you wanted it to. It was only making you feel better about the pain signals. It was only overriding the pain signals with pleasure signals or endorphin signals or some other method to keep you from being totally functionally aware of this. And they said, well, that uh, doesn't matter. I need it now. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's kind of obvious that you need it now. And what I meant by that was a very uh, underhanded, very sly uh, backhand to the person. It was very obvious that they were on an emotional need for it. Yeah. That they psychologically needed what the drug did. Because the truth of the matter is if they could have withstood even a week away from the old medication or if they had switched to a different medication for pain and allowed the neural resistances to build back up, they wouldn't have had to go to a higher dosage. The truth is they went to a higher dosage because they were now escaping something else, something else in their life beyond even pain. And that's kind of the, the cycle we find people in, because they can't, maybe they can shut up the physical pain, but then they can't shut up the emotional pain. And they've gotten so used to not having physical pain that they've forgotten that they should have pain at all. So now they try to shut up all forms of pain. Well, the truth of it is that even these substances 
at their best don't remove pain. They don't create a perfect state of bliss. They create the illusion thereof, and they give you the idea that it's going to continue, and in your foolishness. And if you're on uh, this stuff and you're on ever-increasing dosages, you know, shy of someone with a terminal condition. If you're a cancer patient or you have a terminal disease, then I'm not talking about you and you have my heartfelt sympathies and my best wishes. But for those who've got, you know, a sprained shoulder or, heck, even messed up tendons, the most I take is a ibuprofen, Tylenol, and a, um, a muscle relaxant to help with my plantar fasciitis. And I know people that are on, you know, Darva sets and Percocets and all kinds of sets, uh, sets of sets, for that matter, <laughs> uh, for the same type of injury. If you're out there and you're overly medicated for something that the rest of the world or that even a portion of the world has learned to deal with, then it's not that your pain tolerance is too low, it's that you've got something else going on in your life and this is just a way of letting your mind trick your consciousness to then get something through a signal of the body. This is not that much different than really needing a drink. And I don't, you know what, I've never been an alcoholic. So I can only tell you from secondhand experience. Um, and to best of my knowledge, you've never really drank a whole lot yourself, Master T, so. No. Uh, this would be secondhand for you as well. But I'm sure you've heard someone say, you know, man, I'm damn thirsty. Right. And I'm like, oh, you need a glass of water. No, I man, I need a beer. I'm thirsty for a beer. Be thirsty for a beer. How can you be thirsty for that? What you're really saying is, I need this psychological remedy that comes from drinking a beer. And my body is creating the physical reaction of thirst. Now, if the body can do that, and we see that happen all the time, I'm sure you've heard people say that. Why is it such a hard step to believe that it would create the physical sensations of pain to receive something that's being used as an emotional and mental narcotic instead of as a physical, a, a physical deterrent to the pain itself? Now, I just hit a lot of things there, and I want to, I want to roll back the ball, if I may, for just a second, and hit something else. You know, we talk about neuroplasticity and mental programming. There's a reason why pain medications are used in severe pain and injury cases and I want to bring this up and I don't have an article on hand but I have read articles in the past and I really wish I really wish I had a thought to grab one so I'm in the same boat you were on early on this yeah. <laughs> but uh, in the first stages of an injury any injury the mind starts to form connections that say when you do this it will feel like this it you actually create phantom pain signals ahead of time for the pain right, right. so that you don't over injure and this is one of the reasons why pain medication is prescribed this is one of the reasons why it's taken. It's one of the reasons why it's made use of. Um, in fact, this is one of the discussions I got into with my doctor. Like I said, the last time I've taken anything that would be a narcotic-level painkiller, we discussed it, and they said, you know, you've gotten to the point where you've been in pain for so long that your mind doesn't believe it can't be with the injury, that the pain that's there is amplifying, take this for a week, and then go off of it and see if you're able to walk better. And yeah, lo and behold, I was. The difference between, I guess, someone like me and someone like a lot of other people is that the whole week that I was taking it, I was beating myself up. I was kind of like, man, I got to rely on a fucking pill. Right. Mm, I wasn't liking that at all. You know, I'd stare at the bottle like someone ready to, and you know, I, I think I was even looking at my sword at one point, you know, just to go wage a war against this narcotic. But see, that is a difference in mentalities. I went into this the same way I would go into putting on a cast. I don't like it, but I've got to do it so that I can get over this. You know, no one puts on a cast because, oh my God, they love being in a cast. You know, it's a difference in the mentality. I didn't do this because I wanted to stop hurting. I did this because it was the only way to allow me to get full functional movement again. Right. You know, the pain was secondary. The pain was, if I could overwhelm the pain itself and force the muscles to function, I'd have been good for it. You know, being in tears and screaming were nothing for me. But I couldn't functionally get the muscles to move at that phase. And I recognized the need for the use of a, of a painkiller at that point to allow the brain to rewire itself to say, hey, guess what? We're not getting signals that strong from there. We're getting signals this strong. Well, that's fine and dandy, and that's necessary. And I don't want anyone listening to this 
to go against your doctor's orders, especially in the early point of any major injury, or at any point go against your doctor's orders, because you know what? That would put us up for lawsuit. You know, we're not telling you to disobey your doctor's orders because we're not getting sued for that. But I am saying that, you know, what is good for the early stage of an injury and what medical science has proven is useful for preventing the creation of those neural pathways to respond to and to expect pain so that the brain is conditioned to believe that it is going to heal up faster so that you stop getting the phantom signals. Mm -hmm. What is good for that is good for that in an early stage and in small doses. This isn't something, you're not rewiring the brain at six months into this injury. Okay, you're not. Now, if the injury is that bad that you can't function outside of it, you know, without a pain medication, and you've tried to function outside of it, you've used the lowest doses available and you are not pushing for higher doses, then I feel sorry for you and you're not the people we're talking about. There are right. a lot of people in a lot of bad conditions out there, slipped discs in the back, um, completely torn or shredded muscle structures, spinal column injuries, you know, the human body can go through some serious shit that ain't pleasant to even think about. And that's one thing for those situations, but, you know, I've seen doctors put people on heavy narcotics, like I said, for head colds, and I get it. If you've been coughing for two weeks straight, you probably need something to just get rid of the agitation so you'll stop coughing. I've been there. I've been on medicine for that, too. They, uh, they use a codeine cough medicine for that. But, you know, if you're coming back a month later and you're still on codeine, you really need to rethink your position. You really need to rethink what's going on. And you've got to ask yourself, do you still have a cough because, or do you still take codeine because you have a cough, or do you have a, still have a cough because you need something to get your codeine? Right. Well, what, what's interesting, folks, too, is, and I just want to quickly say this, you know, these medicines, these pain management medicines that we have today, they, their active ingredients come from the earth. They come from nature. And there was a time when early humankind had access to these active ingredients in their, in their natural form, and they were used. They were used for pain management because, you know, when you get a leg lobbed off in battle, that sort of hurts. Or you get a sword through the, the shoulder or an arrow in the back, and these things, these, these things tend to, um, to, to manifest into some more serious conditions and, and and yeah these things were used but you know what's interesting there's a television show on called Vikings okay I thought I found it very interesting every time I, I thought of you Charles when I was watching it because it's a really good show if you haven't seen this show it's a really good show um, there's a scene in there where they go up to um, oh, I can't think of the name of it now they go up to this um, they go up to this uh, they make a pilgrimage to their temple okay um, I forgot the name of it in mythology. It'll come to me in a second, I'm sure. But it's, you know, they have uh, representations of, of Odin and uh, uh, Freyr and uh, Thor and Loki. Well, not Loki, but Odin, Freyr, and, um, and, and... Thor and Tyr. Thor, okay. So Thor they... and Tyr, most likely. Okay, so they're they're up there. They're making their, and this requires a sacrifice, by the way. This is a whole process. I mean, you're up there for a week. You're 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 drinking. You're celebrating. You're, you know, you're sacrificing. I think it's 26 of each thing. So there's 26 goats, 26 chickens, 26 this, 26 that, 26 people. Okay, um, so people get sacrificed as well, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, while they're up there, they have mushrooms. Okay. And they're, the mushrooms are used to help ferry the soul to a deeper um, consciousness and understanding while you're making your, 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 your sacrifice, okay? And there's a whole bowl of these things. They're, they're mushrooms, and, and this guy has taken one. I mean, they, they're just used for that period of time. And then what was interesting is, what struck me is, after the pilgrimage is over and after the sacrifices and the pilgrimage is over, and they go back to their... their, their um, where they they go back to doing what they're doing. No one's addicted to the mushrooms. You see what I'm saying? No one no one scoffs a handful and puts it in a burlap bag or not a burlap bag, but you know a skinned a animal skin bag. No one hides any in their in their sheath, their sword sheath, and you know it. 
that's just not the way it was. The Native Americans, all right, had access to to a whole plethora, obviously, of of active ingredients that are in medications now, and some of them were, were pain management. A lot of them were hallucinative, and to the best of our knowledge, there was no there was no addiction, there was no overuse of these things. They were used for the purpose they were intended for, and that was the end well, of it. Now we're. I, I think there probably was addictions. I mean, sure, we, but we not have, the way. Right. Well, it was a different society. In this society, exactly. if you're addicted to something, you hide it, and no one cares. Right. In that Back society, then, if you were addicted to something, it caused an issue for the tribe, and you either got off of it the easy way, which was to take yourself off of it, or you got off of it the hard way, which means you know, someone took we you kill off you. of it. <laughs> we kill you. Yeah. Once you're dead, so, you're off of it. You know, so, so, but my point is ultimately, for the most part, to the best of our knowledge, um, you know, this is what we, this is what, his, this is what little we have extrapolated from what we could discern from what is left from these early civilizations. This is, this is sort of the conduct in which they, they conducted themselves. So, like Charles said, that was an earlier, that was an earlier place in, 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 in our human history. Fast forward to today, where we have all these pressures, and pressures they are. All, here's the thing. People today are behind the eight ball. We are behind the eight ball, and, and the systems of power that are out there put us there. Don't get me wrong. Our own judgment, miscalculations, our own... Um, uh, our own prideful, avarice, sort of uh, egomaniac, uh, uh, static, happy static state of achievement, whatever you want to call it, all these things that influences our, influence our decision-making, sure, all these things that we strive for, these things that we want to attain that sort of off-center off our, our, our moral and, and ethical and uh, virtuous natures, our character base, and, and as we grow, we become more left to the, you know, left leaning toward, you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm by nature a good guy, but that's, that's some free money right there. That's some free sex right there. That's some free, that's some, re I could probably get away with this. No one's looking. These things add up. These things, these things take their toll. They add up. They take their toll because of the society we're in today. That's just the bottom line. That's just the bottom line. And, and again, I'm not, Blaming, I'm not blaming in whole society, but you know, we're pa we're children of parents who impart their wisdom, their knowledge, and their practices and habits and customs. And kids aren't stupid. We hear we hear our parents talking at very early ages. We hear them trying to get over on the cable bill. We hear them trying to da -da -da -da, try to get this. We know a guy. It all comes. So by the time we're adults, we're already behind the eight ball in character. We have to strive and fight and recapture the, the, the virtue that we want for ourselves. We have to do that. That's why religion really, you know, religion as a staple of, of virtue and morality never really works because someone's, someone's forcing, someone's, someone's placing edicts on you. And that's just not going to work. You know, my parents did that shit, and look where I am today. That's not going to work. Um, I need to do it on my own, and that's the key thing. I need to do it on my own. I need to do it on my own. I need, I need to come to a place in my life where I feel that I need to make this change. I need to do this. And it's always at the precipice do we find ourselves or we lose ourselves. All right? We find ourselves, we weigh ourselves, are we wanting or, or are we sufficient? And if we're wanting, then well, how can we fix this? Well, what options do I have in society? at my current state of, of, of progress in life. None? Few? All right, well, I'm depressed now. But are you really depressed? Are you, de are you really depressed? But I'm depressed now. I'm upset. I'm upset. Uh, and and, and, and I, need, uh, I need to cope with this. And that's where, that's where it gets really shitty. Because there are any number of sources and individuals and systems to help you cope but nothing that's preventative. But there's nothing that Charles and I can say to the addict that might be listening. This show is not about you, the addict. This is not about me telling you you're wrong. You need to have hope and faith and 
you know, believe in something. You need to get off. This is bad for you. Nothing I can say is going to change your mind. I know that. I know that. You're not even you're if you're an addict, you're not even listening to it. <laughs> this is something you're not even listening to. Period. Okay. So this is more for the person or the individuals who are at that precipice. You're at that edge. You know, you have come to a point somewhere in your life in some facet of your of your being that um, you know you're you're looking at the abyss. And you don't know where to go. You don't know where to turn. You don't know. You need some way to cope. And so you're searching. You're searching philosophically. You're searching spiritually. You're searching physiology. Maybe if I pick up a diet and start working out, maybe that'll help me out. Maybe if I get into uh, philosophy. Maybe if I uh, find God and, 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 and become a Christian. Maybe if I fuck more. You know? Maybe if I, you know, I don't know. Try some marijuana to even things out. You're searching right now, and searching is always the most dangerous part of our being. Because eventually we do find ourselves, but we have to go through shit in order to do that. And this is for you. If you find yourself in this place, for whatever reason, for whatever reason you're thinking about uh, picking up or, or, or get a second opinion, get a third opinion. Talk to somebody whose opinion matters to you. Somebody that you feel that you can just open up and say, look, I don't want to get into it, but I got a lot of shit going on. And I'm thinking about, you know, I don't want to do drugs. I don't want to drink. I don't want to do any of this. I want to do this. What do you think? Or I've noticed that I've been drinking a lot more. Have you noticed that too? You have? Okay, well, I want to try to kind of curb that. The first step is, and I hate to sound like a cliche, but, the, the, you know, the 12-steppers are right. The first step is admitting something's wrong. The second is, okay, making a decision, making a conscious, vocal decision to curb or try to abate some of the things that are, that are pushing you toward this, this thing. Also, I also want to say this to the person, to, to, the, to the person that might be so deep into explore, exploration and experimentation, or if there is an addict out there, Addictive behavior, the, the psychology behind addictive behavior is I don't give a shit. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to, this is, it's all about me right now. It's about how I feel. I have to get my shit right here, right now. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to have it so I can have control, so I can be in control. The biggest paradox about drug and alcohol abuse, I won't get into addiction because that's a whole different psychology that I'm not you know, skill to really get into, but the thing about the thing about abuse is that people abuse something that feels, that takes, that manages pain, that takes away anguish and all that other stuff because they think that they need to have control. They need to reach out and get control. It's a paradox because when you reach out forcefully to get control over yourself, you inadvertently put yourself in a position to be controlled by other things and other people down the road. You're giving away your power. You're, giving, you're, you're releasing your liberty on yourself. Now, occasionally I'll have a scotch. I like a cigar, so on and so forth. I might have, I'll have wine with dinner. I'm a social drinker. I think, Charles, if you, if you even do it, I think, if anything, you're a social guy too, if you partake. But I understand that I can't... That's usually the only way. Yeah. But I understand that when I have problems and I'm feeling depressed or whatever, I find ways to vent that. Because I understand that when I start trying to manage and control, that is when we lose it. That is when we lose control. That is when we make decisions and we, we commit to a line of thinking and a course of action that is irreversible. It sows the seeds for disaster later on. And that disaster for a people who have control issues is being controlled by a system, being controlled by a substance. The heroin, the cocaine, the booze, it is, it is your, it's controlling you. You're not controlling it. You're not managing it. And these people, and I know many of them, who are functioning addicts, 
They can show up for work and function. They do outstanding. They're outstanding with not letting on that they're on something or they're they're currently in the throes of some narcotic enthrallment. That's not control. That's not control. You're being controlled. You're being controlled. The whole purpose of this discussion is everywhere I personally, everywhere I look, somebody is on something. It's out of fucking control. Everywhere I go, the whole, the, the new, the new paradigm today is who's got what, who's doing what, and where can I get it? Because people don't want to deal with the reality of being behind the eight ball. And I know all of us, we're all behind the eight ball. Many of us put ourselves there. A lot of us helped, had help with the system, but we're all behind the eight ball. Today's society, this is, this is the way it is. We're all in debt. We're all struggling. We all have hardships. We all have loss. We all have regrets. We all have dreams and hopes that will probably never come true. We all strive for a better state of being and, 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 and lifestyle. But see, there, there is where the happiness is. And, and, and this is what society doesn't tell you because, like I said, the money is in the management. It's the striving. It's the conscious acknowledgement that while things are difficult in my life today, while I have a lot of adversity and I have a lot of conflict and confusion, this is, it's the moment, the small moments of accomplishment and triumph within these states of being that tell you that you're on the right path. Anybody that tries to sell you, you know, it starts off when, like Charles hit the, hit, hit the nail on the head. It starts off with, a leave and Excedrin because you know what I've got a headache, I've got a so, I got a sore shoulder, I've got a I I, I don't want to feel bad, I don't want to cough, I don't want I don't want that. Why should I feel this when I can go get it taken care of? Sometimes a headache and I'm I'm the worst. Listen, you're, I'm I'm a hypocrite because I hate headaches. I don't I don't get migraines. Sometimes I get like headaches and and it, they, it pisses me off. I get shitty. And I want to go grab some, some Excedrin and get rid of it. And a lot of times, I won't. I'll take the pain. Purposely. It's a trial. It's my trial for the day. So tomorrow, when I don't have that pain, I am all smiles. I am, I'm, ha I'm going to have hours of happiness because I remember yesterday sucked. We need to do more of that, people. We need to just endure. We need to, you, you're hungry, you're starving, you want something tasty. You don't want something that fills you up or satisfy your, satisfies your, 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 your hunger. You want something tasty. You want that burger. You want that Taco Bell, that new Taco Bell pot pie I just saw on TV the other day, which made me fucking crazy, you know? You, 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 don't want, you don't want to go grab a big bowl of oatmeal. You don't want that. You don't want to go grab some, some, some you know, go make a, 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 get some, I don't know, something hearty. You don't want something hearty that's, that's, that's going to nourish you. You, you. you want something that tastes good. Because you want the chemical, you want the emotional stimulus that goes along with that physiological satisfaction. See how all this 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 is this is how it works. Instead of saying, "Let me endure. Let me go have some. Let me go eat something that just satisfies my hunger, that deals with my hunger." So the next day, when I have something tasty, it will be all that much more rewarding. I'm thirsty. Charles, I love that example. I'm thirsty. You know how many times I hear, oh my God, I'm so thirsty, I could go for a beer. Really? 
listen, I've never been a beer drinker. I've never been the type of guy that has a beer. I don't have a beer. But beer has one function to me. When you're out watching a football game or, or a Super Bowl or a World Series and everybody's just kind of like socializing and you have a beer or you have your beers, that to me is the beer's purpose. Just like coffee has a purpose. Coffee. Hey, I got purpose a question is, for you. I, I got a question for you. What do you do about 20 minutes after you drink your beer? 20 minutes to an hour, depending on the person. Piss. Right, so obviously you weren't drinking it because you're thirsty or else you'd retain some of the liquid, right? Yeah, exactly. There you go. And then, and then beer, the calories in beer, okay? Listen, I know guys, it's, it's, I, I wish I could take a picture and put it on the Internet. There are stomachs, beer bellies, straight-up beer bellies that literally look like mutations of, of, of the body. And it's a lifetime of just to abuse of what this shit does to the body. You know, when the liver stops working, you know, and, and the kidneys get all screwed up from all this stuff, they, they, they can't clean, they, they can't clean blood, and they can't, it's just, it, it, all this stuff backs up into your system, and it just, it's just, but that's, that's neither here nor there. You, you want control over your life, the best way to control your life is to let go. Not give in, but let go. Just release it. Say, you know what? I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this adversity. I'm going to take this hardship. Because it won't last. It, abate. it, it will go away like, 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 like misery and pain and, and, and sorrow. They don't last forever. Eventually... The body copes on its own. It has its own chemicals. It has its own emotional state. It has its own reactions to these things. And don't get me wrong. Charles is 100% right. There are some things, yeah, I got to go to my doctor. I got to get this looked at. I got to get some medicine. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not saying that you should not do that. And I'm not saying that you should say, well, okay, well, let me go empty out my, my medicine cabinet and throw all this shit away because Master Thompson makes a good point. No, I'm not saying that at all because we don't want to get sued because some people need some stuff. We acknowledge that. But you know what we're talking about. I don't have to specify. You know we're talking about overusage, abuse, just because you can do it, just because it's readily available. Don't lose control by giving control over to something that... It's stupid. It's stupid. So I guess we're going to leave it there. It's, a, it's 105... Um, so next thir next Wednesday, uh, unless this is a schedule conflict, we'll have our, our topic for a new show posted on all of our, our, our media outlets, our website, Facebook, you name it. But Charles and I have decided that we're going to look at the possibility of doing a show in about a month or so. We're going to make periodic um, advertisements for this show. Star Wars is starting up again pretty soon. That means there's going to be a huge, huge influx of new perspectives, ideals, and insights about the Jedi Way and the Force by way of new websites. And there's going to be a whole, a lot of people are going to be remaking, rebuilding the wheel, and then and then some. So uh, we'd like to do a show on who's active and who's not. Well, not who, who's not, but who's active in the in the communities who they are, what their philosophy, what their interpretation of the Force and the Jedi Way is, and some of the people that probably aren't in the communities or have a name in the communities that are, note, that are noteworthy and should we should kind of keep an eye on them. So we want to have that show in about a month or so. So if you're listening to this show now, uh, live or, or the MP3, um, and you're in the community, you're active, you've been around, you have your own site, or you have your own movement, or you have your own interpretation, and you want to be featured on the show, we'd like to have people uh, present, but if you're interested, Charles and I will sit down, we're going to come up with some questions, very easy questions that we can sort of say, okay, Derek Thompson, Ashla Knights, uh, there's a Jedi way, this is their interpretation, this is what, they, this is what they, they're about, and we'll read a statement, and we'll sort of kind of go into some of these We'll kind of compare them and, and, and critique them a little bit, have some fun with them, but it'll be respectful and it'll be playful. Um, but if you're interested in, in being a part of that show in some way, shape, or form, uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, the uh, Knights of Awakening group. 
page. Uh, if you're not a member, join it. And if you are a member and you're interested, just hit up Charles, and Charles will make a note. We'll get back to you as soon as possible. Or you can join Ashlanite's website um, and just uh, uh, let us know who you are. In Ashlanite's web uh, Facebook page, you can join. Uh, you can like us, or uh, yeah, you can. I think it's like yeah, you can like us and, and offer um, offer up your information there, and we'll make a note of that as well. And as far as that goes, I have nothing else to add. Charles, how about you? Any announcements, any information to pass along? No, I think we're uh, doing pretty good, you know. Right. Uh, we want to say uh, yep. for everyone to, as always, awaken the night within, and I'll leave you to have it. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.